Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Um, before I get into the message a bit more today, I need to uh, confess and recognise and apologise. I've made a huge mistake over the last few weeks. Um, so over the last few weeks, I've been saying about 48, 50 people have put in these response cards in last year, uh, 45 different organisations and $250,000 was contributed. Uh, and I've, I got a bit excited and I didn't go and check my figures. Um, so what was committed last year wasn't $250,000 and I apologise for making that huge mistake. Um, it was, it's still pretty exciting. I'm still excited, but I remember what happened and I've checked it with um, other people about what happened. So I do apologise just for giving you false information. Um, in fact, we had a, I think it was close to, I don't think, I know I looked it up, um, which was good to do. Check your figures, ladies and gentlemen. Um, 40, not quite 50 people, 50 giving units, if you like, giving people, um, committed $122,000 uh, to our five mission partners, to our local partners, and to 48 other organisations. Plus, I'm still, f- I, th- I think we sponsor about 80 children as a community as well in different organisations. So that's the accurate summary of 2021. Have I got that right now? I, yeah, I don't know. You checked it with me, didn't you? That's how you saw the figures? Sure, good. All right. So I apologise. It's still impressive. I think I said $250,000 because I'd hope, given that it was new last year, we'd double this year. Um, that was... Well, we'd been budgeting $50,000 and in fact we were giving $122,000. What's... It just seemed natural to me. I believe in a God who provides. I don't know. Who do you believe in? Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, So, in the midst of this, there are a couple of significant organisations that people contributed to outside our church partnerships. One of those was uh, Mission Aviation Fellowship, and the other one was Vision Radio. So we want to celebrate and make you aware of those mission organisations now. For over 70 years, this is what we've been doing, getting up early to get out there and fly. What motivates me is just seeing change, being that essential lifeline that makes a huge difference around the world. We're flying every day into isolated communities where there's no road, there's no infrastructure. We're coming onto the sides of mountains, we're going into the remote bush. We're taking that life wherever we go. When we talk about flying for life, we mean it in the fullest sense of the word. It's not just about food and water and a safe place to live, but it's about health, it's about education, it's about transformation of communities and seeing them thrive, and it's about taking Jesus' love into those places. MAF was started by a couple of World War II pilots that returned from the war They've been using aircraft to drop bombs and now they can see that aircraft could be used to bring life and to bring hope. It was a very humble beginning, just one aircraft, but that aircraft was fueled by the prayers of many.
are pilots and engineers. We are IT specialists, we are administrators, we are managers. But we're so much more. We're the faithful prayer partners at home. We're the people helping raise the funds. Together we are Mission Aviation Fellowship. I don't know yet what transformation my flights today will bring. I don't know what transformation every other flight will bring. But I know this, that for every flight we do, we are motivated by flying for life. Australia is experiencing an increasing loss of faith and trust in people and organisations. Living in a post-Christian culture, truth is being constantly redefined. Mainstream media is increasingly biased and has lost much of its credibility. People feel uncertain about the future and are distracted by fear. The result is greater anxiety and an epidemic of loneliness. In such times, Australia needs an uplifting voice of hope, truth and inspiration more than ever. Since its inception in local community radio in the late 80s, Vision Christian Media has grown to be a trusted, consistent and unifying voice across our nation. With over 700 stations and growing, an app with unlimited potential, plus a range of publications and digital channels, Vision continues to challenge, encourage and affirm people in their Christian faith. Vision has grown considerably but with the media landscape developing at an extraordinary pace. Today, Vision needs to take another big leap to expand deeper into new media platforms and address cross-generational emerging markets by increasing tailored video, digital and social media content. The journey is well underway with an unprecedented opportunity at this moment in history but we need significant support from partners who can help us meet this complex challenge. Vision's app, websites and emails reach tens of thousands of active users daily across Australia. But in today's technology-driven market, people are increasingly looking to engage through new innovations. So now is the right time to expand our multi-platform media services and content to reach people in ways that are relevant to them. We see a future where Australians across our vast country have the access and opportunity to be challenged and encouraged by God's Word and affirmed and strengthened in their faith. Where our community support teams are resourced to respond in real time to an exponentially growing number of people with diverse needs. Will you share our vision and partner with us? to see people's lives reconciled and transformed across all generations by helping more people look to God daily through Vision Christian Media. So there we go, uh, update on a couple of mission organisations that we as a church community support. You've had your turn. Um, one of the things that I love about being uh, the church being part of the body of Christ is that I am obviously no pilot. I cannot fly 
uh, to remote Australia. I can't fly overseas. I can't uh, fix a plane. I am not involved in media, but through finances and prayer and encouragement, um, I can help support that work. We, as the body of Christ, can help support that work. Um, I remembered in the past when Rowan and Rachel Morell, who served with Wycliffe, come and they say, we as a church have been involved in the translation and the support of uh, translation workers around the world and providing God's word to many more people just through our finances and our prayer. And so that is why it's such a high priority for us to support missions work both uh, here in Australia and around the world. And so I encourage you to consider, uh, to continue to consider how you might be a part of that work um, as part of the Horsham Church of Christ. One of the organisations that we want to celebrate, uh, we've finished our partnership with them, is Christians Against Poverty, uh, CAP, as they're more commonly known. Uh, in particular, we worked with them through running the money course. So uh, if Marie Goods is uh, in the room, Lockie Walker and Glenn Nichols, if you'd like to come up and join me on the platform, I warned all three of you, so it shouldn't be a surprise to you. Is Glenn here today? Glenn is. All right, come on up. Uh, I remember, you might remember la um, last year or the year before, when did we do the money tips? When did we film money tips? Was that 2020, I think? Um, and we hosted money tips and Glenn's opening line for one of the money tips was, now I know most of us would rather stick burning needles in our eye than talk about finances. You said that. And it's been recorded. We should we just play that video now. No, we don't have it. Um, but these three champions and other people as well, but these three have really driven it um, for quite a few years uh, to support, the, to run the money course. Um, and we just want to honour you. Can you come over here so I can just look one way, please? And Naomi? Yes, yeah, so I was aware that there were a few others as well. Naomi, Wendy Rowe, um, Robin Adams... Erin Bottrell joined the team, um, but we did want to honour you three in particular as key players in all this. Uh, so as I give you a card, I'm just going to give you the microphone and very quickly the highlight of being a part of the money course over the last few years. Uh, seeing people understand their finances and some lights come on and, and for me, <laughs> saving money instead of and being able to afford things, you know, straight out of your bank account, shopping. <laughs> Uh, one of the highlights for me was actually coaching Jared and um, Narelle. <laughs> it's okay, I'm not going to reveal their finances because I haven't got a clue, I can't remember. Um, I found that CAP was an opportunity. I've always said that if, you, um, if people don't know Jesus and you don't show the love of Jesus to people, how will they ever get to know you? Times I haven't been too good at it, but I've certainly tried. And I probably have learnt far more from CAP than what I've been able to help other people because all our participants, they share and uh, it's just great with all their knowledge that uh, um, they can share and it's been a pleasure to have been part of this program. I, I, I don't know. One of the highlights, just a general highlight of the CAP program is just being able to spend... Um, just a couple of hours for three Sundays in a row with people and just talk to some really practical issues regarding their finances and stuff and hopefully sending people away with some real skills and stuff and making a difference practically in their lives and I think that's probably been the best part about it. Thank you so much. That is for you, sir. That is for you, ma'am. I'm glad that you enjoyed sorting out our finances. 
bless you. We still, uh, that, was, that was a long time ago, like 2013 maybe. It was in the hall, it was in the old building and we still use that same worksheet to sort out our finances. So it's still making a difference. But we just want to honour you three um, and the team uh, that have run the money course for quite a number of years. And uh, we just want to bless you and pray that what you have sowed into other people will actually be returned to you as well. Um, and just want to honour you for your commitment, your dedication um, to people um, finding financial freedom and becoming financially sound. So can we uh, thank these three people and the wider Christians Against Poverty team. Thank you. You can, you can leave now. Thank you. Um, I'm sure they're still more than happy to provide financial wisdom. We're not running the money course anymore. Christians Against Poverty have actually changed their model. We're in the middle of changing their model. Um, and so we are exploring other ways that we can provide financial guidance to other people. So feel free to talk to Lockie, Marie, Glenn, um, and find out more about financial soundness. Thanks, Simon. Man, we have covered all the bases today, haven't we? <laughs> what a day. What a day. A few weeks ago, Simon Warwick uh, challenged us to set our focus up and out, reminding us the call from Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's not just about receiving this power. It's not just having this knowledge. It's not just about encountering this living God. It is then about bearing witness to. We all, you know, if you've been around the church for any length of time, we often like the power experiences. We all want the Holy Spirit experiences. I want the Holy Spirit experiences. But I don't want that just to feel good. I want that because I want to be filled with the Spirit to bear witness to the Spirit. Um, and then uh, he reminded us, Simon Warwick uh, from Empire reminded us, we are called to do two things. Be witnesses, make disciples. Remember, the definition of to be a witness was to see or experience something and tell someone. So, for instance, if I bear witness to a great Collingwood victory, <laughs> I become and bear witness to that and I make disciples of you to become Collingwood supporters. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous, but now you're all with me, aren't you? See, whether you like football or not, you know... I walk into rooms and I tell people as an introductory statement, I give them information, I'm married to Andrea, been, in, been married to Andrea nearly 30 years, in Horsham for 20 years, we have four daughters age range 27 to 20, and just so it's all out of the way and you don't find out later and feel like you've been ripped off, I'm a Collingwood supporter. Because people will say to me, I thought you were a good bloke until I found that out, so I just get it out of the way. I just get it out of the way quickly. Rip the band-aid off. Bear witness, be witnesses, make disciples. What has God done? And some of us will say, oh, God hasn't really transformed me. My, my life is pretty boring and dull. Do you know how good a witness it is to say, I have been faithful to Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years? Do you know how good that is for people in my generation and the generation to come to know that it's possible? 
especially those who of you are older and going, I can't do much more than pray. That's great. That's foundational. But don't forget that your witness to the generations to come after you, especially as the world does what it does, for all that you've endured, for all that you've seen in your 70s and your 80s and your 90s, it is possible to remain faithful to following Jesus. And we need to hear those stories. Oh, well, okay. Thanks. Yeah. So there you go. That's uh, be witnesses, make disciples. And making disciples is not complicated. It's really not. Lisa says to Alana, have you ever wondered what God is or who God is? Alana says, well, actually, it's Jesus. Boom! Wouldn't you like that testimony? And Lisa's still got a whole other testimony coming out. Don't worry about that. Emily says, I've been following Jesus or working out Jesus for a long period of time, but I can't do this the way that I've been doing it any longer. Because of quiet, faithful people who got alongside them and discipled in the way they knew how. It's not complicated. It's not scary. Well, okay, it's a little bit scary. Be witnesses, make disciples. You remember Margaret last week? One of the things that stood out for Margaret last week in the interviews uh, that Jared, Jared shared with Margaret was that uh, Margaret went to uh, South Sudan uh, very passionate and knew since she was eight that she was going to go into overseas mission. Since she was eight, God called her to be a nurse and then to go and serve throughout the world at eight. Like that's, and she followed through. Like it wasn't, oh, you know, I'll get around. Like she worked towards that her whole life. And her experience in South Sudan wasn't easy. And it wasn't easy because of the local indigenous people there. Uh, you know, they're very materialistic. Just give me what we need and we can get on with it. It's a transactional kind of relationship, she said. But it was also just as difficult um, because of the, the struggle and the tensions that were within the team over those two years. And yet, despite the struggles and the tensions and the differences that Margaret didn't tell us about, but she was very honouring in that as well, she was very honouring of the other people in the team, I thought. Right? Their single-minded purpose and unity in proclaiming the good news of Jesus. They didn't go around saying, oh, I can't do that because I don't like Margaret. I can't do that because I don't like what we decided. I can't do that because that's not how I would do it. They went with the single-minded unity and purpose of following Jesus. That's faithful ministry. And I was reminded of Paul's words to the early church in Ephesians chapter 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to one hope, and you being plural, like you's all, that's what that you is. Um, I'm a Collingwood supporter, you'll be right. Um, <laughs> As you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That's a single-minded purpose. So over the last couple of weeks, we've heard some stories of dramatic transformation. And by dramatic transformation, we've heard of over 1,500 new communities being established. And by 1,500 communities, we're talking about at least 12 baptised believers. 1,500 of them. And that's not over 10 years. That's in the last 12 months during a pandemic in a third world country. 
And then we heard the struggles and the challenges of being people who feel like you're called into ministry, want to see change, want to see transformation, but there doesn't see, and people serving faithfully without much result. There's two extremes in three weeks, if ever I've heard it. Did you hear that over the last few weeks or not? Maybe you saw other things. Maybe you're encouraged other things. And this is what stirred in my spirit last week as I heard Margaret. It is amazing what people have achieved, what God has achieved through people with very little. And while we talk about how much we can't do with a great deal. You know what it seems to me in a local church, particularly the Western church, because that's where I am, (laughs) just, you know, the Western world, that's the church I lead. The more we have, the more excuses we find not to serve. The more we have, the busier we feel. The more we have, the harder we find to talk about Jesus and make Jesus a priority. And you might think that's harsh. Maybe it is. Maybe we need to hear it too. I need to hear it. If we are to build strong partnerships, mission partnerships globally, we need to have strong mission locally. So we've spent a lot of time, and I hope that people have heard this a lot. I believe that people have heard this a lot. Our vision is to be transforming our community in the name of Jesus, yeah? And we've recognised, we've honoured, and we've celebrated people who have gone about their daily activities, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a home, stay-at-home mum, a stay-at-home parent, whether you're in science, whether you're in uh, trade, whatever industry that you're in. We've recognised that our daily activity is the opportunity to love one another as Christ has first loved us. We've celebrated people in their day-to-day activity, whether you're a student, and saying you have opportunities in those. That is part of your act of service, your vocation, your work, your retirement is part of your call in following Jesus, in being a witness, in making disciples. In talking about work and ministry, Paul writes, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord. See, some of us, Christian people, people who proclaim to follow Jesus, won't give their best efforts because they don't like their boss. It's not good enough. It's not mission. It's not generous. It's not courageous. It's not authentic. And it's not even being present. This is the instruction. Serve wholeheartedly, especially if you don't like your boss. Men, serve wholeheartedly in your homes, especially if your wife's driving you nuts, especially when your children aren't following what you want them to do. Wives, women, love your husbands, serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving the Lord. So many conversations in the home are around what I don't get, what I can't have. What does it look like to follow Jesus? Serve Jesus first. And we serve, we're able to serve wholeheartedly our bosses 
And I think it needs to be expressed again because of who we are in Christ as the body of Christ. Again, in Ephesians 4, 16, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And what's the work? Be witness, make disciples, love one another. In Galatians chapter 5, Verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. That was to the early church. In the midst of turmoil, in the midst of empires, in the midst of governments that were making a mess of the world, in the midst of a highly sexualized, highly um, uh, wealthy society, this was the call. Live such distinctive lives in the community of faith in the ecclesia, in the fellowship of the church, that other people go, hmm, there's something I need to know there. And I think we need to rediscover, and I've, I've checked this with other churches, I've, other, I've checked this with other ministries, with other ministers, I've asked this question. We need to rediscover what it is to be the body of Christ, to serve the body of Christ, to build the body of Christ. And not at, not at cost of what we do in the community, recognising we work hard in the community, recognise our jobs demand a lot of, but in partnership with. The only way that we can be effective in our workplaces, in our homes, is if we recognise that we're part of a body. And I think we've lost a bit of this along the way. I think COVID's actually amplified it, heightened it. We have a challenge before us. We've heard so many times the last couple of years the world has changed. I can't tell you how many... Every volunteer organisation is saying, we can't get people back. We can't get people to serve anymore. People don't want to give up their days. People don't want to change their routine. People don't want to change... And I, why... I'm. The church is asking the same question. And I'm just trying to work out what it looks like to be distinctive as the church. And I think one of the challenges we have as the local mission is that we've lost sight of our local mission as the body. So you do whatever you do over here because that's what you like to do. And that's what you believe you need to do. And this group does what they think they should do, however they think they should do it, because, you know, that's what you like to do. And then this group here does whatever you do, because, well, that's what you like to do. And this group over here does exactly the same thing. And there's such a big gap sometimes because we've lost sight of a collective. Whew. There's some practical expressions that we can do as a church. There's plenty of ministries that we can be involved in as a church. We can be involved in discipling our children and our youth through key years of them making decisions. We can do small things from doing the dishes to serving morning tea to providing food to welcoming people to starting new ministries to coach mentoring to uh, mainly music to finding new ministries, new opportunities. There's plenty of opportunities. Or perhaps there's 
well, no, I was, was going to say, going to say, there's a number of families involved in fostering because God has been doing something in these conversations and saying we can do something for our families and our communities. So they're involved, becoming involved in fostering. There's a number of people having a growing unrest around the issue of homelessness in our community. What, what do we do? How do we do this? And maybe there's a new ministry that God is placing on your spirit. Who are the two or three people that, who can help you discern God's leading? And how will you be discipled in that as you disciple others? See, some people have withdrawn or are still cautious about community because of health issues. That doesn't mean you can't serve. Maybe serving is your prayer. Maybe serving, you can serve on the care team, making phone calls really intentionally and thoughtfully. Others are feeling too busy or overwhelmed and serving the church is one more thing. Some of us just don't like the training requirements. <laughs> How many people like streetlights? How many people find streetlights useful? No one. So we can switch them all off and everyone will be happy. Why do we have streetlights? Why? Safety. And yet, on the other hand, we've got climate change. Which one do you want? Which one do you want to be more interested in? Which one's the most useful? Streetlights. So we'd rather affect our climate for the sake of our safety. And yet when the church says we need to provide safety to all people, everyone goes, no thanks. And do you know why we have to do these things according to the Royal Commission now? Because we didn't do it well enough 20, 30, 50 years ago. So when people are withdrawing because they don't like the training and they don't like the expectation, every other place that you go to has expectations. I know it's frustrating. I know it's disappointing. I know it's annoying doing all the paperwork I've got to do the paperwork I have to fill out a sheet every year with all my PDs and supervision to say that I've done 38 hours I've got to do all that to retain a little card that says I'm accredited as a church of the Christ minister and do you know why I don't say jump in the lake I won't do it because I want to be a kingdom minded person and do you know why the systems have changed because the church has not been distinctive. Because we have been selfish, because we've been arrogant, and because we have been proud. What kind of mission do you want to be involved in? Really? interesting to me that when we get busy when our lives get full do you know what the first thing to be left by the side is the body of Christ it's the first thing we'll drop off when we're busy now maybe it needs to be that's the tension we've created because we want to care for families we want to honour families we recognise their seasons in life but I'll tell you what ladies and gentlemen mission being witness making disciples serving one another requires sacrifice and sometimes without getting the reward that you think you deserve serving the body is a reflection of the witness of Jesus we need to take care of one another we need to have systems, ministries and processes to welcome and care 
We also need to bear the witness of Jesus by to look beyond ourselves, to respond to the whisper of the Spirit and the hunger in our community. And every organisation I know, as I said, is struggling to fill volunteer roles. And what if the church was different? And what if we were excited because we were the body of Christ? And what if other people said, what are you doing and what's the church about? You could talk about the church with excitement because it was distinctive because we followed Jesus first and we were single-minded in our purpose in doing that. What if we didn't see ourselves as filling holes or roles as volunteers, but as serving Christ first to serve the community, to serve one another and to transform our community locally or globally? And what's the benefits for it? I don't know. I can't give them to you, really, because I just think we'll be stronger. Well, no, I can. You might not find the benefits that personal because it requires more than you thought it would. It requires laying down the past. It requires giving up excuses, but it requires a blessing of knowing that I will trust in Jesus no matter what. And the benefits will come to the community. (laughs) The blessing will come to the community because we decided, I decided, that above everything else, I'm going to have single-minded purpose in following Jesus with the body of Christ, as the body of Christ, to build the body of Christ Because Jesus is still building his church, yeah? I'm glad he's doing it. And he invites me to be a part of it. And he invites you to be a part of it. What if we were to offer hope through grace, truth in love and an invitation to encounter the living God? We will serve in our home and our workplaces. But people are watching how we treat one another. Are we people of love of one another? Are we people of love for the outcast? Are we people of love who bring unity into Christ's body, his family, the church? And that will inform the decision, the opportunity we have to declare the hope of Jesus to our neighbours, our workplaces and our families. Friends, what's your next step? What will you do today? How will you respond? What is God convicting you of today? Will we keep being people who say it's too hard or will we say, actually, this is hard, but I'm going to trust in Jesus? Will we be people who dare to think that we could live such a distinctive life that our neighbours and our friends and our families want to see something and discover something? Maybe your next step is commit to following Jesus. Thanks, team, if you want to come up. Get yourselves ready. Thanks. Maybe your next step is committing to following Jesus. And that means surrendering our disappointment, our frustrations, our doubts. Maybe your next step is to share your faith, the story of your faith with a colleague or friend. Maybe your next step today is getting baptised. There's still water in the baptistry. I'll get wet. Shirley and Alana will put their wet clothes back on. Or we'll get, you know, if there's someone that you want to baptise, you will get them wet too. Maybe we're sitting here going on the edge, you know, I'm not ready. That's not, what does it mean to be obedient? What's your next step? Is there someone you can serve with the resources you have because you love them as Christ has loved you? Can you invite someone to read scripture with you? Maybe it's committing to a life group again and knowing it's costly of time, of energy, of resources. 
Maybe it's seeking God's leading in a particular ministry or gathering other people. Maybe it's saying you're going to be at prayer. Maybe it's asking someone to help you discern or how, where God might be leading you at the moment. What's your next step? Because following Jesus is a sacrifice. It's not complicated. It's hard. And it will cost us something. But the life to come out of it will not only bless you, it will bless those around you. What's the next step you will take once you leave this room? Once you switch off the TV? Will it just be another challenging message? Another lovely message? Or will we be people who shout hallelujah that big that people will sit up and take notice?